Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Turn to Luke chapter 23, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, the last um, seven or eight verses and then the first few verses of chapter 24. While you're turning there, it's a story that's been out for a while. Some of you may have heard it, but a man and his wife and his mother-in-law went on vacation to Jerusalem. And while they were there, the mother-in-law got really sick and passed away, took them to a funeral home, and the um, funeral director said, you know, you can have her shipped home for $10,000, or you can bury her here for $500. Man thought for a moment, he said, I'll have her shipped home. And the uh, funeral director said, well, why would you spend $10,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when you'd be wonderful to be buried here in Jerusalem for $500? He said, long ago, a man died here and was buried here, and three days later rose from the dead. I can't take that chance. (laughs) One of these days, we're all going to be raised from the dead. I want to begin reading in verse 50, chapter 23. Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, He had not consented to their decision, indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was honed out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after And they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like nonsense. It's actually the Hebrew word, idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened happened. I want to speak to you for a few moments about emptiness, the emptiness of Easter. Uh, 
You see, for those of you who are here today, it's probably not an empty day, but for a lot of people, this is just another day. It's empty. Well, there's some emptiness pictured right here in these two chapters of Luke. The first thing you see is the empty cross. They took Jesus down from the cross. You know, when you see the cross today, it's the symbol of Christianity. But, the, but it's vacant. And the, you see a cross here in our building right over the baptistry. It's just a simple wooden cross with some lights behind it. There's no one on it. And the reason is because only one person ever had to die on the cross for our sins. It happened just once, and we didn't leave him there. In fact, he's not there today. But the fact that we have an empty cross tells us volumes today. What's interesting is that even today in the Philippines, there are groups of people over this weekend on Good Friday and all. Some of those people have themselves nailed to a cross. I, I, I didn't know if it was still going on because it's been happening for a while, but it's still happening. One particular man by the name of Reuben, this was several years ago, he, he said that he's, he's been nailed to the cross, played that part of Christ for over 25 years. And he said, two years ago, I said it would be the last time I would do it. But every time I say that, my wife gets sick. I guess God wants me to continue the sacrifice as a lifetime vow. Folks, I want to tell you something. God doesn't still demand that. Nailing yourself to the cross is not going to do anything for you except hurt yourself. The cross is empty. I want you to visualize the empty cross of Jesus this morning. It's the place where he died. And on that Easter morning, that cross was empty because the promise had been fulfilled. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give my life as a ransom for many. And the promise of the empty cross is that Jesus paid the price for it. Nothing else has to be done to pay for your sin. You can't earn it. He said, it is finished. What did he mean? He wasn't talking about the end of his life. He was talking about the work that God had sent him to do that began actually back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. God said then that he would send someone one day that would crush the head of Satan and it would, would, would solve the problem. He sent Jesus. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, and Jesus kept saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And when he cried out on the cross, it is finished. That means the price has been paid. You don't owe any more. The night before he was crucified, he told his disciples, this is my blood which is poured out from you for the forgiveness of sins. That's what happened on the cross. Now, last Sunday, we're doing a series this month in April for Easter, and I hope you'll come back and, and, and see the next segment of this. Last week, we looked at the cross, and, and this passage of Scripture in Romans 3, let me read it to you, Romans 3, 23 and following, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Two 
reasons Jesus had to die. One was God set him up as the payment for sin or the buffer to take care of the wrath of God. Now, when you hear the word wrath of God, many people think of some peeved, mad deity who's losing control and can't wait to slap everybody around and throw them into hell. That is not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is this, that God said, if you deny me, there's already set up punishment for evil and for sin. It's already set up. He said, if you choose to deny me, you have to face this wrath. Now, we had no hope because of our sin until Jesus Christ came and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 tells us, and Jesus died for us to take the wrath of God for us. And when, you, when he died on the cross, he took your sin and my sin and put on Jesus. And Jesus was the propitiation, the payment for, the buffer for God's wrath. He took it. The second reason he had to die was to show that God's righteousness was for real, that he really is a holy God. If God wasn't holy, he would have let sin slide. But it had to be paid for, and Jesus paid for us. So when he died on the cross, he took it for us. And the empty cross is one of the greatest signs of Easter. Have you ever had the privilege or opportunity to ride maybe out on a ranch on the dirt roads, the wind is down on your vehicle, and a bee flies in your window? Gets exciting, doesn't it? Real exciting. One time, true story, man and his son were out riding around, windows down, a bee flew in the window, and the son got really frantic. And the reason was is he was highly allergic to a bee sting and could die if that bee stung him. That bee's flying around, and all of a sudden, dad just grabbed it like that. And the boy immediately began to settle down until dad opened his hand and let the bee fly out again. And he said, Dad, Dad, what did you do that for? And he said, Son, look in my hand. And he looked in the hand, and there was the stinger for that bee in his swollen hand. He said, That bee can't hurt you anymore. Well, that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me. He died on the cross. There's no more payment for sin. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You don't inherit it. You don't even get it by osmosis. There's some people think if they sit in church long enough, they're going to get it. There still comes a time you have to realize the empty cross means that the price has been paid. The second picture of emptiness, obviously, is the empty tomb. The one word that makes a difference between Christianity and all of the man-made religions of the world is the word resurrection. You see, Luke speaks of Joseph of Arimathea. Only time he's mentioned. 
is when he asked for the body of Jesus, to take the body of Jesus and to put in a solid rock tomb that had been honed out, and Joseph of Arimathea was going to put the body of Jesus in there. Now, somebody in their imagination, and I've kind of got a wacko imagination too, said, hey, Joseph, why would you take a tomb for Jesus and, and that was meant for you and give it to, and, and so have somebody laying in it like him. And, and Joseph said, well, he only needed it for the weekend. <laughs> That's not in the Bible in case you just woke up. <laughs> but if you think about it, he, Joseph of Arimathea put him in the tomb. And then it says in verse one of chapter 24, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, the women took spices to go prepare the body of Jesus, but they found the stone away from the tomb, by the way. But then when they entered it, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. What difference does an empty tomb make? The tomb was empty that day because death couldn't hold him. Do y'all remember that deep theological work, The Jungle Book? Ruard Kipling wrote it. They made a movie about it. Mowgli's the man cub. Y'all remember him? He's asking some of the animals, what's the most feared thing in the jungle? And one of them says, well, when two animals meet on a very narrow path, one of them has to yield. The one that never does yield is the most feared animal in the jungle. Mowgli says, well, what kind, would the, what kind of animal? Somebody said an elephant. Someone else said a lion. And then the wise old owl said, the most feared thing in the jungle is death because death steps aside for no one. We find a statement to be true. It doesn't matter how physically strong or healthy you are or how financially wealthy you are or fantastically popular or overwhelmingly powerful. Death is an absolute truth for all of us. Death is hereditary in my family. I don't know about yours. We have a history of death in our family. Do you? Did you know you have an appointment for death, but you can't put it in your phone, you can't put it on your calendar? Hebrews 9.27 said it's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. You already have an appointment. God told us to number our days. You have an appointment. You just don't know when it is. And you're not going to get a text to say, your appointment is next Monday at 3 o'clock. <laughs> death is inevitable. The world knows that death is coming. And, but inside of us, we all know that it's just wrong. God never intended for death to enter the world. You were made for eternity. Death was not supposed to be here. And when Adam and Eve sinned, Death came into the world. There's no exception, no permanent extension. It claims every one of us until Jesus came. And Jesus lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, didn't get his bloodline from a father, earthly father, like you and I do. We're born with a sinful nature. He was sinless. And when he gave his life willingly, he died for us. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The empty tomb is God's promise that physical death is not 
the end. It displays his power over death and satisfies our hope for eternal life with him. It's not the end. We serve a risen Savior. You sang that just a moment ago. A school teacher one afternoon in the spring around Easter time opened up one of those bags full of plastic eggs that you can open up and put things inside of it. Gave one to each of the children, said, I want you to go out on the playground and I want you to put in the egg signs of life. So the kids went out, they all came back, turned in their eggs and put them up on the desk and the teacher began to open them. In one of the eggs was a butterfly. Another egg had an ant. One had a blade of grass, one had a flower, things like that until one of the eggs was completely empty. Well, everyone knew whose egg that was because there was a boy with special needs in that class. And everybody started to laugh at him. And the teacher said, why did you not put any signs of life in your egg? And he said, because the tomb was empty. You see, that young man knew truths that the others had not thought about. <laughs> the tomb was empty. Grave couldn't hold him. I, Dad and his five-year-old son were driving down and they passed cemetery. There was a freshly dug grave there waiting on probably a funeral procession to get there. Big hole with the dirt there. They drove by and the little boy said, hey, Dad, look, one of them got out. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jesus got out. He got out of the tomb. All but four of the major world religions, all but four of them, are based on speculation. Man's philosophical speculations. But there are four major world religions based on personalities. Judaism, Father Abraham, Muslims, Muhammad, Buddhism, Buddha, and of course Christianity, Jesus. 1900 B.C., Abraham died. In 483 B.C., Buddhist Buddha died and, and said, and the writings of Buddha said, with that utter passing away into which nothing whatever remains behind. Nothingness. June the 6th, 632 A.D., Mohammed died. In 33 A.D., Jesus died, but came back to life in three days and appeared to over 500 people over the next 40 days. That separates Jesus from everyone else. You see, death stepped aside for him. Death did not step aside for Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or Abraham. Their religious teachings made an impact on the world, but they died never to be seen again. Jesus was more than a great teacher. He was more than a man. He was God, and he proved his superiority over all other religious teachers by conquering the grave to this day, hundreds of millions of people visit the graves of these other personalities. Not one of them rose from the dead. I'm taking a group in about a week over there. They're going to see, they're going to look in the tomb. They're going to see he's not there. He rose again. An African Muslim became a Christian and his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? He said, it's like this. Suppose that you... We're walking down the road, and suddenly you came to a fork in the road, and you did not know which way to go. But at one end of the, this fork, there was a live man, and at this one, there was a dead man. Which one would you follow? 
Michelangelo, the great Renaissance artist, he would get so frustrated with his fellow artist. One day he blew up and he said, guys, why do you fill up gallery after gallery, room after room, cathedral after cathedral with pictures of Jesus in weakness, of Jesus on the cross, of Jesus hanging dead as if that is the end? as if the curtain had come down leaving us with desperation and despair. That event only lasted a few short hours, but a resurrection for all eternity. Jesus is alive. He reigns and he's triumphant. The empty tomb means we're going to be resurrected, that life will go on. Death has lost its sting. Paul wrote, oh, death, where is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. The empty cross, now listen to this, the empty cross and the empty tomb spells a full salvation. Hallelujah. Nothing emptiness about Christianity. There's another picture of emptiness here, the empty grave clothes. The women were going to put the spices on Jesus, and they found that he was gone, and these two angels said he's not here. And by the way, have you ever thought about why look for him among the dead? Why you seek the living among the dead? Have you ever thought about when Jesus came? He came from the land of the living, heaven, to the land of the dead. We're the dying but they, they came and they ran and told the disciples, and then the Hebrew word says, what you're telling us is nonsense. Peter ran down there to the tomb anyway, and he bent over and looked into the tomb, and he saw strips of linen folded near where the body had been, neatly folded, and Jesus was not there. The third image of emptiness, you know, these burial clothes. Now, why did Jesus leave those behind? You ever thought about that? So no one could say his body was stolen. That's one of the reasons. I mean, if you're going to steal the body of a broken, battered, bruised, bloody body, you wouldn't take off the coverings first and fold them neatly and put them there. The promise of the empty linens is his presence with us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and, I, and if I go, I will return to you. I will come again and receive you under myself. Jesus also said, I've come to give you life and to give it more abundantly without the resurrection. There's no message in Christianity. We're wasting our time. Why are you here? If you didn't really have some kind of belief in the resurrection, you wouldn't be here today. And Paul said it clearly in Romans, first, not Romans, 1 Corinthians 15. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ was not raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. The empty grave clothes means that Jesus is very much alive and with us. 
But there's still another image I want you to notice. Verse 12, Peter arose and ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Can you imagine Peter trudging back home, wondering what in the world has gone on? Now, the chances are good he could still see the crosses where Jesus and the two thieves had been crucified. There may have been some more. Peter's going back, and he's heart's broken. He denied him three times. He's probably trying to figure out, I think this is a picture of an empty life. You see, there are a lot of empty lives today. Peter needed a new perspective, and he got it when Jesus appeared to them. It's interesting, and I don't have time to read it, but let me just tell you that when you keep on reading in chapter 24, beginning in verse 13, Jesus appears to those people walking on the road to Emmaus. And eventually, they realize who he is because he begins to quote Scripture to them about the prophets, and then they realize, and then he appears to the disciples beginning in verse 36. Now, you got to love this. He comes to the disciples, verse 37, said they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And Jesus said, why are you troubled and why the doubts arise in your hearts? My, look at my hands and feet. That is, I myself, handle me, see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones if you've seen him. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, but they still didn't believe. And then the Baptist, you're going to love this verse. <laughs> Jesus said, you got any food here? <laughs> so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he ate it in their presence, which gives you a hope that your glorified body you make and eat if you still want to. <laughs> you see, these guys had lost all hope. Their lives were empty. We live in a world that's that way right now. There's so many things going on right now. Everybody's going, what's going on? There are a lot of empty lives. <laughs> I love it where Sarah Johansson of Grace, Idaho said that Molly, her six-year-old, came into the kitchen one day and said, Mom, I've got a stomachache. Mom said, that's because you haven't eaten yet. Your stomach is empty. You'd feel better if you had something in it. That evening, the pastor stopped by for a visit, and he happened to mention that his head had been aching all day. And Molly said, that's because it's empty. You'd feel better if you had something in it. And a teacher, science teacher, was trying to explain to her class of, of elementary kids about circulation in the body. And she said, if I stood on my head, the blood, as you know, would, would run into it and I would turn red in the face. And, he, and then she said, but then why is it while I'm standing upright, the ordinary position, the blood doesn't run into my feet? And one little boy says, because your feet ain't empty. There's a lot of empty people in the world. What I mean by that is there is a God-shaped vacuum. What does that mean? Did you know there are 
Regardless of what you hear on the Discovery Channel and all these scientific channels, you are more than the highest animal. We were created in the image of God. We have a body. We have a soul. Our mind, emotions, and will. We have a spirit. And when Adam and Eve were created and they sinned, God withdrew his spirit from man. They realized he wasn't there. Hid themselves. And later... It affected their mind, their emotions, and will. You can see mankind's been going downhill ever since. And eventually they died in their body. And so man has this God-sized, God-shaped vacuum. He tries to cram everything in the world there. There's only so much money you can cram there. There's only so much popularity, so much power, so much health. Everybody's looking for that peace. And when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again, he said, when you trust me, in fact, when he ascended back into heaven, the Holy Spirit came. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God puts his spirit in you, in that God-sized, God-shaped vacuum. People say, I feel such peace. And then that affects the way you think because you begin to think with purpose and why God made you and who he intended you to be in the first place. And, and then one of these days we're going to get a body that won't die. It won't gain weight. It won't hurt. If you think about it, heaven... Listen to this. Some of you think all heaven is, you're going to be some little fat cherub angel sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. <laughs> well, I got the fat part down, but I'm not going to be an angel. But listen to me. It's not heaven. You're not ever going to be an angel. You're created higher than the angels. But heaven is the ultimate reality because when we are resurrected and given a new body, we're going to a place that's never been touched by sin. And that's what God intended for it in the first place. And Jesus reversed the whole thing. But there's one other emptiness I want to call your attention to, and this sounds kind of strange, but all of these empty images, there's an emptiness here full of promise. This is just the opposite of the world. You see, the world is full of empty promises. Do this, do this, do this, and you'll have peace and you'll have fulfillment. Instead, promises full of emptiness. God gives us this emptiness, the empty cross, the empty tomb, the empty grave clothes that's full of promise because if Jesus Christ had not died on the cross or he would have stayed in the tomb, bound up by those burial garments, he would not be our Savior. But the fact that he is alive gives us promise that we too can live in him. When Michael was three, he listened attentively one Sunday morning in church. He was asked later about what he remembered about church. 
Instead of John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Michael said, I remember that Jesus died so that we could have ever-laughing life. <laughs> That's not bad theology. Because the joy comes from knowing that Jesus is alive and that he lives in you and me. You see, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. And when you empty yourself and you say, God, I am a sinner separated from you and I can't save myself and Jesus, you've done it. I trust you now. I get it now. My eyes are open. I understand. And Lord, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and I trust you as my Savior. There's one more image of emptiness today. And that would be if you leave without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, the emptiness will still be in your life. Don't leave without him. Don't leave this life without him. You don't have to join Southcrest. You don't have to be a Baptist. Being baptized doesn't save you. It's not optional, but it doesn't save you. You don't inherit it. You don't earn it. So many people are still trying to earn it. Like I said last week, most religions are spelled D-O. Do, do, do this, do that, do this. Christianity spelled done, D-O-N-E, because Christ paid it all. And if you don't know Christ, I don't know how to make it any easier for you to respond today. Again, you don't have to join Southcrest, but I want you to know more than anything to know Jesus as your Savior. So would you bow your heads with me right now? Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 